Well, we are really thankful to be here on a Sunday morning. This is my highlight of the week. I love being with all of you. Thanks for coming. We have some visitors. Welcome you today. We have some new folks to Preston, Ray, and Mindy. We are glad to have you here. They told, they informed me that their church is the size of our town back in San Diego, where they come from. And so I said, the good news about this is it's your small group. It meets every Sunday. And so here we are. Glad to have new folks. Glad to have visitors. Glad you're here today. Um, for those of you who uh, are visiting or new, um, we're working our way through a summer series called Fervently Ask Questions. Not frequently, but Fervently Ask Questions. And the question I was asked to deal with uh, for our uh, sermon this morning is how can I tell if I am growing, and I need you to insert this for me, how can I tell if I am growing Let's go to the next slide. Spiritually. How can I tell if I'm growing spiritually? And uh, I love that question for a couple reasons. First of all, first of all, if someone is interested in uh, figuring out how they can tell if they're growing spiritually, then spiritual growth must be a Concern or a, a topic that is important to them. And I want you to know as, a, as one of your shepherds, spiritual growth is important to me as well. Not just for me, but for all of you. I don't know if you ever had a... a we had a PE coach one time who was... Um, uh, she didn't look like a PE coach at all. In fact, she would tell us to run, and um, we never saw her run ever once in the whole year. But we ran a lot. But when I got to high school, my uh, PE coach was also our football coach, and he could outrun most of us. And so he wanted to be in shape so that he could be a good example for us. And as one of your pastors here, I want to be growing. I Just like the sermon I did on prayer, that was a very convicting sermon to me. This sermon is likewise convicting. And I'm just looking forward to sharing with you. Before we go any farther, though, let's just take a moment. We'll bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless His Word. Father in Heaven, we come this morning looking forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to hearing from the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said that you would send the Holy Spirit and he would teach us all things. And Father, this subject of growth is a very important subject, we believe, to you, the Good Shepherd. You want all of your sheep to be growing. As the vine dresser, you are concerned about the health and the fruit of the uh, the branches on the vine, Jesus. And we just pray that our hearts would be open and we would look at this topic of growth with an honest heart that we wouldn't try to hide anything or cover anything. We can't hide anything from you anyway, Lord. The Bible says you are a consuming fire and everything is naked with God. There's nothing hid. Even the darkness is the same to you. So as we look at our hearts and we look at this area of whether or not uh, we are growing and how can we tell if we're growing, we just pray to your God, please teach us what you would have us to know from your word and bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We have friends back home. Uh, their names are Bart and Janelle. When Bart and Janelle welcomed their um, second child, I believe his name is Quinn, to their home, um, they were really excited. Quinn came with a little bit lower birth weight, but it wasn't anything to get too excited about. But as the years, months, months and years went by, they began to get alarmed. Quinn did not appear to be growing. And there actually is a 
uh, a disease called growth hormone deficiency. And when a child has this disease, they are lacking a hormone in our body that actually causes cells to increase and grow. And that, for a child, is, is an alarming thing. Fortunately, they were able to, there are, there are remedies for this illness, and uh, they were able to realize they had a problem and help this little boy take some medicines that help him to grow. And I think it's important for us when we think about how can I tell if I'm growing as a Christian that we understand that we as Christians, we do not want to plateau. We as Christians do not want to plateau in our growth. And I think it's important before we go any further, look there on your outlines, the very, very most important requirement for growth is what, folks? There is a, there's a star here. So important that I put a star there on your outline for you. What is the most important thing something has to be in order to grow? Alive. Thank you. Who said alive? Someone said, Mindy, thank you. Alive. It has to be alive. Rocks do not grow. Okay? They do not grow. Inanimate things, things that are not alive, do not grow. Things that are alive do grow. A tree continues to grow as long as it's alive, continues to grow. You know that there are, I know of at least one animal that as long as it's alive, it continues to grow. I learned this from a a park ranger in Wisconsin one time. We were on a camping trip and went down the little ranger station and they had a little talk about a certain animal in Wisconsin that as long as it's alive, it continues to grow. In fact, you can tell how old that animal is by its size. Aren't you all glad we're not that way, right? But this animal continues to grow as long as it's alive. Any of you kids want to take a guess what that animal is? Micah? Not in Wisconsin, but um, that's a good guess. Cheetahs are a neat animal. It's a beaver. Beavers just continue to grow as long as they're alive. And I think it's important for us to understand that as long as we are alive as a Christian, we should continue to grow. We should continue to bear fruit. Now... Let's turn in our Bibles. First of all, our first scripture this morning, we're going to look at something very important. It's in John chapter 12, where Jesus tells us something about being alive. John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. John chapter 12. Verses 24 and 25. Jesus begins this passage with a truly, truly, which is kind of a, a, when your professor says something like, you want to pay attention to this, this will be on the final. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Truly, truly. This is an important statement. I'm saying it to you. Truly, truly. He says in John chapter 12, verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates this life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I'll read verse 26 
Just the last of the thought, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay. What does Jesus tell us about seeds in this verse? Something very important. I remember when I was in about second grade, I had a teacher who thought kids learn best by doing things. So what this teacher did was we had um, 25 students in the class and we all took uh, a bean seed and we planted the bean seed in a Dixie cup. Right? Did any of you ever do something like this in science class? So we all planted 25 on the same day. We all planted 25 uh, bean seeds. And then what we did over the next 25 days was we would open up another bean seed. Okay, so we put it in the ground and the little dirt, the Dixie cup, we watered it. And what do you think we saw the next day? The next day we opened up the first person's bean cup. What was in there? Well, it looked largely like a bean. Well, maybe a little soggy, but it was just a bean. We looked in the second day. What was in there? It was a soggy bean, but something interesting had happened. It was kind of like a little crack. The bean had kind of swollen up to the point it had cracked. Looked in the bean cup on the third day, you know what happened? It was kind of a yellowish, barely visible, like a whitish yellowish thing, kind of like going like that, out of the crack in the bean seed. Do you, do you know what's happening? The fourth day, the fifth day, and all of a sudden that, that bean seed. But you know what had to happen to the bean seed? In effect, the bean seed had to die. The bean seed as we knew it had to die and crack itself open and give itself up so that it could become a bean plant. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, He says here in John chapter 12, He says this, that, um, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, He's talking about a grain of wheat, a wheat seed, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. This is probably the most important part about growing in the Christian life. You first have to be a Christian. You first have to be alive in Christ if you're going to grow. And how do you become alive in Christ? Well, according to Jesus, you have to take your own life and lose it. The bean seed has to die. If the bean seed is so worried about being a seed all the rest of its days... It'll die being a seed. If it never buries itself, if it never gets wet, if it never you know, is exposed to the things that are actually going to break it open, it'll remain alone. If you want to be a Christian, according to Jesus' words, you must first be willing to take the life that He has given you and you have to bury it. And, and symbolically, Pastor Bill talked last week about baptism. I'm sure he covers the fact that baptism is is a symbolic burying of the old nature, the old man. My old life, the old Jeff, I don't want my old life. I'm going to bury that with Christ. I'm going to rise with Christ. I'm going to become something new. Jesus says, if you love your life, you will lose it in the end. But if you're willing to hate what the life that you've, He's given you for now, you can keep it for life eternal. And He says here, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. That, folks, is the first requirement for growth. If you want to be alive, you have to die like a bean seed, like the corn of wheat, like the grain of wheat, in order to become alive. Now, once you are dead to yourself and you are alive in Christ, let's go back to, the, to plants for a moment. Back to science. What does everything that's living need to have in order to grow? Water. That's a good one. What else? 
Plants need sunshine. That's right. That's right. You need light, sunshine, but there's something else besides water. If you just water food, you need some sort of nourishment, right? You need some sort of nourishment. So you need nourishment and water. Plants need light. You can actually grow a kid in the dark. I don't recommend it. Skin turns pale, things like that. People can grow in the dark. Babies, babies grow in their mother's wombs, totally dark, but they have source of nourishment and water, right? And when a baby is born, what happens to the nourishment and the water? It's all combined, right? They get their fluids and their food from their mothers, and that's how God feeds babies. That's all mixed in there together. But anything that's going to grow has to be, first of all, live. It needs nourishment. It needs water. We'll make a spiritual application a little later. Let's ask ourselves the question again, whether we're talking about people, animals, or plants. What happens when things grow, typically? What happens when things grow? They get bigger. That's one thing that happens. They get bigger. What else? They bear fruit. They bear fruit. Yeah. If you're in the if you're in the fruit uh, fruit industry, you just don't want your apple trees getting bigger and bigger, right? We'll talk about what they do to those to keep that from happening. But they get bigger. They bear fruit. They get stronger, right? How about you kids in school? Oh, did I say school? I'm sorry. You guys have still got a couple more weeks before school. Let's not think about school. When you're learning things, wherever you're learning things, what happens as you grow in your learning? Hopefully your abilities grow, right? I know um, those of you who play instruments, right? Hopefully as you grow, you get better. These are things that happen when we grow, all right? We get larger, stronger, more able. There's more fruit. This is what happens as a result of growing. So we've got requirements for growth. We've got results of growth. Now let's take a little time and think about God's word on growing. Remember this. When we come to church, this isn't the first time we're running into the book, right? Hopefully all week long we're running into the book. And because of the Holy Spirit's role in our life, He's our tutor, He's our teacher's aid, He's our teacher. He's here to help us learn. Now I want to ask this question. When you think about the Word of God, what are some parables that Jesus told that had to do with growing? It's interesting. We look up the subject of growing. Jesus said a number of things about it. And he would often do this in parables. Easy to get stories, kind of like the seed being planted. We get that. What were some parables that come to your mind when you think about what Jesus said and growing? Mark. Okay. That one is mentioned in three of the Gospels. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside. Some seed fell on the stony ground. Some seed fell among the thorns. And some seed fell on the good ground. And it brought forth different degrees of fruit. Jesus talked about that parable. And it was recorded in three of the Gospels. That's a good one. The parable of the sower. Give me another one. Another something Jesus talked about in terms of growing fruit. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks, Mindy. Um, Jesus said um, in John chapter 15, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And he talks there about, we'll get to that. We'll read more of that passage a little later, but that's a good one. The parable of the vine. Anyone else? Things Jesus taught about when he talked about growing. Fig tree. Yes, thanks, Ken. 
Yes, that's a good one. There was a parable in Luke 13 where a fellow had uh, a, a man who owned the orchard. He came to this fig tree and he said to the man in charge of the orchard, he said, this fig tree hasn't borne any fruit now for some time. He says, why is it taking up space in my orchard? Cut it down. And what did that orchard uh, worker say? Hey, give me a little more time. He said, I'd like to have a chance to cultivate it and fertilize it. Let me have one more chance. And there's a parable in there. Jesus is talking about, hey, he's not real quick. If you're not bearing fruit, hey, Jesus is the type just to cut you off and cut you down. He's into cultivation. He's into fertilization. He wants to see you bearing fruit, fruitfulness, okay? Do you remember the one about the mustard seed? The kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a mustard seed, which even though it's very small sown in the heart of one, one man, Jesus, it grows into a, be a great tree and everyone can find rest in it. It's a neat parable. Do you remember the, the parable of... Um, the tares, wheat and tares. Some people sold bad seed where there was good seed. And, and that, that happens too. Tares are something that look like the real deal, but they're not. And lastly, one other parable I just want to cover quickly was a parable that Peter uses about babies and growing. I don't have to tell any of you mothers who had children that you nursed how hungry our children. They're going to have to eat all the time if you let them, right? Some of you moms, I look at my mom, my mom, my my children's mother and Mrs. Derby, between the two of you, there's 24 children, right? That's And Mrs. Fox said 32 children. That's a lot of children. How did these children like to eat? All the time, right? They would eat all the time. They would eat you out of house and home. You couldn't get anything done. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. Babies need to eat to grow. Christians need to eat to grow. And so what Peter says, he says, in the same way that a newborn desires to eat all the time, they would if you let them he said, so you should desire to eat from God's word. Okay? You should desire the sincere milk of God's word so that you can grow. Are we always supposed to be drinking milk? No. Joanne is shaking her head no. Because in the book of Hebrews, he writes to them, he says, now you all listen. There was a time when you were in the milk of the word of God. Simple principles, beginning things, but now you should move on from milk to what? Solid foods, meat for mature believers, okay? And if, and if as a, a Christian, you spend your time in, in, in reading the simple truths over and over and over again, there's a sense in which you need to go to the next level, right? How many of my freshmen will be taking algebra? Anybody here taking algebra this fall? Okay, David, what do you take next year? Algebra 2. What do you take after that? Algebra, hopefully not Algebra 2 again. <laughs> you go to geometry, and you go to advanced math. There's a progression. Same way in the Christian life. We should be moving along. Moving along. The next passage I want to look at is in, uh, we're in John chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles toward the, near the end of your Bibles, the epistle of 1 Peter. A very important, we've talked about some parables in the Bible about growing. But let's take a second and look in 1 Peter. If you're in James, go to the right. Okay. And if you get to John, you've gone too far. Maybe it's easier to start in the back of your Bible and go to the left. Go past John, the Johns, 1st through John. Go to 1 Peter, chapter... 3 verse 18. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, we find a very important passage here on growing. 
sorry. Second Peter, my fault. I've got Second Peter here. Second Peter three eighteen. My fault. Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen. I'll, I'll read verse 17 just to give us a context. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless people and lose your own stability. Okay, so Peter tells us, I want you to be careful not to be carried away and lose your own stability. What is Peter's remedy for that problem? Look in the next verse. But, he's talking to Christians now, grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter's uh, encouragement to Christians so they don't lose their stability, so they're not carried away with error, is to grow. Grow in what? Two things. Did you see him there? He says we should grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you grow in the knowledge? Thank you, Mark. Mark held up his Bible. You grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ by reading His Word. How do you grow in grace? I believe we grow in grace by, first of all, acknowledging the areas in my life where I'm not as Christ-like as I should be. And I admit that. I say, Lord, you know what? I need some help being patient with my children. Or, Lord, I need help uh, being more faithful in my finances. Lord, I need help in whatever I'm struggling with. And I admit I'm not where I need to be, but I ask God to help me grow in that grace. Help me grow in the grace of giving. Help me grow in the grace of my speech toward my family members. Help me grow in grace. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge. And I think that is so important. Okay? And what we're going to do now is move into some principles. This verse would talk to us about we should be growing as Christians in grace and knowledge in the in what we know and also how we apply it in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now let's think about some principles. And the first one we're going to think about comes from Colossians chapter 2, 19. Alright? I know we're, we're moving around a little bit this morning, but bear with me. Colossians is uh, a letter to... The Colossi, Church of Colossae, by the Apostle Paul. If you get to Ephesians, you're too far to the left. If you get to Thessalonians, you're too far to the right. Back up to the book of Colossians, New Testament book of Colossians. We're going to look at chapter 2. Some of you who remember our series this spring from Colossians chapter 2, you'll remember that we talked about this a little bit here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. And again, to set a little context, let's back up to verse 18. Let no one disqualify you. Colossians 2 from verse 18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. What does it do? It grows with a growth that is from God. Nourished and knit together. What is nourished sounds a little familiar. We've talked about that this morning, right? When a baby eats, it's nourished. When a plant gets nutrients from its food, it's nourished. What does the knit together do? Well, you know, the Bible talks about when God 
weaves a baby together, knits a baby together, says, I would knit together in my mother's womb. What does knitting do? Does anyone here knit? Few of you know how to knit. Ken, you know how to knit. I'm so proud of you. I think you know a guy who knows how to knit. Good for you, Ken. Carl, you're doing well. You're talking about knit. When you knit something, am I correct in saying when you knit something, in effect, the whole piece is connected? There, there is a continuous strand. My, my grandma used to knit and she'd have one ball of yarn and she'd take off knitting. And the whole garment was connected through a string, right? One strand connected the whole thing. When God knits us together in our mother's womb, we're knit together. When God puts us together in the body of Christ, we are knit together. He puts us in a family of the body of Christ. We are knit together. We are nourished together. And where does the growth come from? Did you see it there in, chapter, or in verse 19? It grows with a growth that is from God. Principle number one, God gives the growth. Principle number one, God gives the growth. In the body of Christ, it comes from God. The growth comes from God. Principle number two, we're going back, we're in Colossians. Turn two books to your left. Philippians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four. Here we're going to read two verses. Again, in Colossians 2.19, God gives the growth. In Colossians 4.15 and 16, we see Christ is ahead influencing the growth. Listen as we read from Colossians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. From verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Stop for just a minute. We are to grow up into every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Um, thank you, by the way, for everyone who helped us this week with the lemonade stand. I appreciate whether you made cookies or you worked in the stand or whatever. Thank you. I noticed across the way there was a young lady who had a booth. And in this booth, she, had, she was selling growth charts. They were about this wide and about six feet tall. And what, what you do with this growth chart is you're supposed to... Uh, fasten that to your wall and then as your children grow you mark them and if you're like our family I think this is the 13th home we've lived in in 31 years we've lived in quite a few places well what happens is when you've been marking your kids off on the wall it's hard to take this chunk of drywall with you when I leave her idea was now you can take the little growth chart with you and it goes to the new house I thought it was kind of a neat idea I told her we're going to have to do one of those well here's the deal in the Christian growth chart, and you know what it's like when you're trying to measure up and you're trying to see who was taller last year or were you taller than your brother was last year? Watch their heels. Because they're like, and my kids have a tendency. They want to push up and be higher. They want to be taller than they are. Well, you know who's at the top of the Christian growth chart? Jesus. This is the goal. Jesus wants us to grow up to be like Jesus. Right? Would that be a good thing? Absolutely. How many of us parents would like our kids to grow up to be like Jesus? Yes. How many of how many of us kids that are here today would Jesus like to grow up to be like Jesus? All of us who are his children. He wants us to grow up to be like Jesus. That's the goal. And it says here that this is the goal. He says we grow up into the head, into who is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Principle number one is God gives the growth and principle number two is Christ 
body grows. Christ's body grows. Ken, why don't you go ahead and put that up there for us now? And I'll give you the third one. We grow fruit by abiding. Alright? The Gospel of John. We talked about this. John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. Beloved, did you catch that? If you're bearing fruit in Jesus... Jesus is your vine, you're the branch, and you're bearing fruit, what can you expect Him to do? He can prune you. Have you ever seen what an apple tree looks like after a good pruner goes to it? It looks like they've killed it, right? I mean, they just whack and hack, and you're like, where'd my... I mean, this pruner told me you should be able to take a chicken and throw it through it and not hit any branches. And I'm like, man, those are big holes in my apple tree. And he showed me how to do it. I couldn't believe how much of the branches he cut away. But what is the what is the orchard man worried or interested in? Not more branches and leaves, right? He's interested in more fruit. In the same way, if you're bearing fruit for Jesus, you can expect Jesus to prune you. You can expect Jesus to prune you. I remember I was lying in a in a hospital in 2003. I had shattered all four of my lower leg bones, and I was lying there. Waiting for my, it was waiting up for my surgery, and I was praying one night, lying there asleep in the hospital, or awake in the hospital, and I said, "Lord, am I being chastised, or am I being pruned?" Maybe I ask you this. I told you the story, and uh, Jesus said, "Yes." I'll ask it again. Am I being chastised or pruned? He said, yes. There were things in my life that Jesus would look at and say, you know, this needs to change and I would encourage you to grow this way. But on the other hand, there were things in my life that where God was working on and there was fruit in my life, but He was cutting things away so that He could get more fruit. So He says, every branch, He says, my He prunes that it may bear forth more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's what Jesus said. If you want to bear fruit, you have to abide. I talked to the youth group a number of weeks ago about abiding in the vine. How hard is it for a branch to abide in a vine? What does a branch have to do to abide? Stay connected. That's it. Joanne said it. Just stay connected. Just stay connected. The important uh, uh, point is the connection. Where the branch meets the vine, you stay connected. You fellowship. You're in, or you're in Christ. What are the purposes of this growing, this fruit bearing? In John chapter 15, just a couple verses later, listen to this. He says, um, if, I'll read from verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me, listen to this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, we talked about this last week, or when I talked about prayer, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, but there's no fruit in your life, Jesus said, if you're my disciples, there will be an obvious fruit. There will be obvious fruit in your life. John 15, 8, our fruit is to glorify God. And back to Ephesians 4, we build up His body in love. Ken, if you'll give those to us. 
to build up His body in love. We read that passage there in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. We're building up His body in love. So the growth in our life, the fruit, is to glorify God. And the reason He's growing us is to build up His body. Who is the body of Christ? Yeah, Christians. And in particular, folks, it's this one. It's this, this is the body that Christ has placed us in. We want to be building up His body in love. Okay, bear with me. We're going to go to 2 Thessalonians. Uh, this is an important verse. I appreciate your following along in your Bibles this morning. 2 Thessalonians, again, past the Galatians and the Ephesians, the Philippians and the Colossians, and there's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. What in particular should be growing? What in particular should be increasing according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? It says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of everyone for one another is increasing. Two things are growing. Your faith is growing, and your love for one another is increasing or growing. That's what he's after, folks. He wants us as his children to be growing. He wants us as his branches to be bearing fruit so that our faith is growing and our love for one another is increasing. Now, let me ask you this. If I tell Brenda, and we're going on 31 years this week, thank you, Jesus. August the 5th will be our 31st anniversary. Thanks, honey. And um, I'll tell you what. If I continue to tell Brenda my love for her is growing, okay, but I don't pick up my socks, or my love for her is growing, and I'm never willing to help her in the kitchen, or my love for her is growing, well, don't ask me to watch these kids because I'm really kind of busy. You know, how can I show that my love for her is growing? Hopefully in real and tangible ways. In the same way, folks, as our love for one another increases... I do think it's important to affirm that with our words. I'll see, I'll see Mark say, Mark, I love you, brother. And, and Mark and I are, are on that kind of a relationship. I can say that. But you know what? I love all of you. How am I showing that? How does my love show to my brothers and sisters? Just a couple things to be thinking about. What we're going to do now is get to a little quiz. Okay? Here's the little quiz, and Ken will take these one at a time, all right? First question is, am I growing spiritually quiz? Do I have a healthy spiritual appetite? Do you have a healthy spiritual appetite? Do you look forward to the time you spend reading your Bible every day? I said every day, because folks, how many of you would think about going through a day without eating? Seriously. I mean, if, you, if you're fasting, that's one thing, but how many of you, especially my teenagers... My young men, how many of you are going to skip a meal on purpose? Why would you do that? How many of us are often, myself included, tempted to not spend the time we need to eating, reading from the Word of God? And so I think it's important for us to have a healthy spiritual appetite. Do you have a healthy spiritual appetite? Number two, is my life marked by greater grace and a knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Am I becoming more gracious as I get older? Or am I becoming more grouchy? Gracious or grouchy? If I'm growing in the Lord, I will become more gracious. And my knowledge of Jesus will increase. He was very meek and he was very humble. 
I could use help in both of those departments. Ask my wife. Ask a lot of people. I could become more meek. I could become more humble. I could become more like Jesus. He washed his disciples' feet. And um, I put a couple kids in the tub the other night, and I was amazed at how dirty that water got. But to wash grown men's dirty sandaled feet, Jesus was willing. Help me be willing, Lord. Number three, is my love for Christ's body increasing? 2 Thessalonians 1.3 I think your outline has 2 Thessalonians on it. It's 2 Thessalonians 1.3 Is my love for others increasing? Do I find it easier and easier to be with you all? Am I just looking forward to Sunday morning? Do I love you all? Or am I more and more annoyed at you every time I have to go to a potluck with you or whatever? Hey, folks, I want to encourage this all. Our love for each other should be increasing. Number uh, The next one, am I becoming more like Jesus? Okay, more like the head. Remember, the growth chart doesn't stop at six foot six like this gal. The growth chart, growth chart in the Christian world stops when you get to be like Jesus. When you get to be like Jesus, you're done growing. Okay, until then, there's room to grow. Room to grow in my heart. Am I becoming more like Jesus? And am I building up His body, the church in love? I say I love you, but am I making that obvious? Is there is there things in my life? Lastly, I want to ask this question: Am I bearing fruit? Remember in Galatians, he says, you should put off the works of the flesh. Alright? And you should be filled with the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering, right? Gentleness. Kindness. Meekness. Faith. Self-control. Are those areas... and, and, And you know what? Ask the people who live with you. Oh, that hurts up in the I understand that thing. Ask someone who lives with you. Would you say daddy's becoming more patient? And if they say, I don't know yet, you know what? I need to work on that. Am I becoming more joyful? Do I enjoy the Christian life? And is it obvious by my countenance that I'm, hey, um, I think Christians should be some of the happiest people around. Why? Well, hard workers should be happy, but you know what? I, I deserve to go to hell, frankly. Jesus came and took my place on the cross, so I don't have to. That's good news. And we should be joyful. The fruit of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5, 16-24 would be a good place to start. And as you get to the end of our, as we come to the end of our time here this morning, I want to ask you this question. The question was, how can I tell if I am growing spiritually? Here's the encouragement. If you see there are areas where you, like I, need to grow, remember this. We have someone in heaven who wants us to grow. Jesus died. He was the first. He referring to himself. He was the seed that was buried who lost his life so that he could bless others. And if we're willing to follow his example, if we're willing to lay down my life to gain the eternal blessing of, of his life, then we can be real happy people who continue to grow and bear fruit. Can you do this alone? You can't bear fruit any more alone than a branch can bear fruit without the vine. Don't try this alone. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's been our privilege this morning to see how much you say in the Bible about growing and how important it is, whether it's children or plants, that there's growth, healthy growth. And obviously, Lord, what you want out of the group is fruitfulness. 
We just pray, dear God, that we will continue to love your word, that your word will find its place in our hearts, and we can allow it to change us from the inside out. And Father, if there's anyone here today who knows I have yet to die to myself, that I might live to Jesus, we pray that you will help us to understand, Lord, that if we lose our life, we will gain it forever. If we hold on to this life, we will lose it forever. God, it's so worth it. And because you set the example, may we follow close to you in your name. Amen. I pray that you'll go and grow this week. And thanks again for your your uh, attentiveness. And may God bless his word in your hearts.